With the first pick in the 2019 NBA Draft, the New Orleans Pelicans select Zion Williamson from Duke University. on the line or the Martians have the death beam pointed at Earth, you better hit it. I want Iguodala. From Casa de Fields, this is the Fast Five Draft Special, hosted by Sam Sinclair and Blaze Fields. Hello and welcome to the Fast Five Draft Special. That's right, this is a special episode of the Fast Five Podcast, specifically for the 2021 NBA Draft, coming to you tomorrow night. This is going to be a lot different from our regular episodes. This is all going to be dedicated to the draft, and we're ditching the five-minute format, just so that way we can better reiterate our ideas and thoughts on the draft. And it's like, what's the point of discussing the draft? a topic like the draft in only five minutes you know it, it just feels like that would be redundant but anyway i'm joined here by my co-host sam sinclair and we got a lot of good stuff for you we're gonna have mock drafts we're gonna have sleepers we're gonna have who we think are the best players in the draft we got player comparisons and we even got a little extra surprise at the end so uh stay tuned for that anyway sam let's just let's get right into it so for our first segment on today's episode what we're going to be doing is we're going to be going through our top 10 mock draft. Uh, we each mock drafted the top 10 picks in the NBA draft, and we're going to go pick by pick through pick one, pick two, pick three, pick four, and uh, say what player we picked and why we think we're going to, why we think each player is going to go there. So Sam, let's start it off. Who do you have at the first pick? I got a real surprise at pick number one, and that's Cade Cunningham out of Oklahoma State to the Detroit Pistons. Listen, he's the kind of prospect you want to build a team around. He's not the kind of caliber of prospect that like Zion Williamson was, but he brings a skill set into this league that it makes sense to put a supporting cast around him. He's that point forward type, kind of like a Ben Simmons kind of guy, a larger guard with great passing skills, great scoring skills. He even plays pretty good defense. He's not the best shooter, but he's a great point guard type player. He can run your offense. He can play on the ball or off the ball he's just a great overall prospect and compared to other players in this draft in the top tier prospects i think he's the best one blaze yeah i definitely i definitely agree sam um while there is some discussion on whether houston will make an offer detroit just can't refuse which i highly doubt will happen i mean it's not like houston or detroit's gonna take back christian wood and give up a a chance of getting kate cunningham um, I think Detroit stands pat and picks Cunningham. He's a franchise-changing orchestrator who can really score from every level. And, I mean, there's just not a lot of flaws in his game, you know, outside of, like you said, the minor shooting. He can work on his handles a little bit. But all in all, this is the guy. You know, Oklahoma City offered them pick six and Shy Gillius Alexander, and they didn't take it. So it's very obvious that they're not they're – not, they're not refusing that trade just to take Jalen Green. Um, speaking of Jalen Green, 
That is who I have at pick number two for the Houston Rockets coming out of the NBA G League team, the Ignite. With the players projected two for four, all being A tier, it's no surprise that there is a lot of mystery on who Houston will pick. But many league sources believe Houston is leaning towards green. Uh, Jalen, in my eyes, is a highlight reel waiting to happen. He reminds me a lot of Bradley Beal, Zach Levine. He's a guy who, when you get when when he gets on the court, you know he's going to score. He's going to put up at least twenty a game. Uh, he's going to slot perfectly next to John Wall in that backcourt. He's going to learn a lot of things from John too, and he's going to be a perfect facilitator to get Jalen Green the ball and make him into a superstar. He's I, I think he's going to be one of the next best scorers in the NBA, and I can't wait to uh, to watch it happen. Sam, who do you have at pick number two? I'm going to have to disagree with you, Blaze, and go with the unpopular choice of Evan Mobley at two to the Rockets. And some of this reasoning is behind Kevin Porter's emergence this past season. We all saw him have that 50-point game just out of nowhere. This was a guy that was cut by the Rockets or the Cavaliers after some off-the-court trouble, and then he seems to have revived his career as kind of a cornerstone for this rebuilding Rockets team. But back to the Mobley selection, I think he's just a better overall prospect than Green is. Sure, Green's probably the best scorer in this draft, but Mobley's probably the best defender in this draft and has a ton of offensive upside as well. For a big guy, he's very fluid, can move in the open court, has a great face-up game, and can shoot the ball. And defensively, he's very quick, can move laterally is vertically talented he can block shots makes great reads and i think him and christian wood are interchangeable at the four and five spots because they both can shoot and play a little bit of defense so in terms of overall team impact i'm gonna have to go with evan mobley at number two yeah and i the big reason i didn't pick mobley to houston is i think really with a team as bad as houston's is you want to go best available and i feel like jalen green is just a much better player than mobley and um I think down the line, you know, he'll probably sit and bench for Porter, and if he ends up having that, you know, like, fall back to earth, then Jalen Green's going to step up perfectly. Anyway, speaking of Mobley, that is who I have at the third pick. Um, you know, Jared Allen, set to hit the free agent market, restricted free agency, might I add, but it still makes sense for the Cavs to go five here with Evan Mobley. He's a disciplined on-and-off-the-ball defender and can score with the best of centers. He's a little undersized and lacks a low post game, but all in all, he is the best four, five, whatever he wants to play in this draft. Um, and even if they get Jared Allen back, you know, there's some question marks around whether Kevin Love is going to continue to play beyond this season. So, you know, I feel like that's also a good backup plan if Kevin Love decides to retire at the end of the 2021-2022 season. Uh, Sam... So, Evan Mobley's off the board for you. Who do you got going at number three? Well, I'll continue the trend here of us getting our picks backwards, but I got Jalen Green here to the Cavs. I think he's just a better overall fit for this roster. As you said earlier, Jared Allen is going to be a restricted free agent this year, but he was very good this past season, so I think he deserves a nice payday to return to this Cavaliers team. And then there's also the matter of Kevin Love being on this roster who can start at the four. His contract is very bad, so it's going to be very hard for this team to get rid of him. And then you have Larry Nance, one of the better role players in the NBA at that four position as well. And another interesting factor I want to bring up is all the rumors recently we've heard about Colin Sexton. Um, the Sexland 
era may be over before it really even starts. There's rumors about the Cavs packaging picks and Sexton to move up. And if they were to do this, I think Green slides in as a flawless fit next to Darius Garland. Um, there's a lot of overlap between Garland and Sexton's skill sets. They're both undersized score-first point guards. And if you trade Sexton for a higher pick and draft Green, he's the more, he's the better complement to a point guard like Garland. So, again, I'm kind of going with what you said earlier. I'm going more with fit over um, talent here. But when these guys are as talented as they are and the fit makes as much sense as it does, that's what I'm going to go with. So I got Jalen Green at number three. All right. You know, I definitely I definitely see what you're saying here. But um, I think that um, – I think, honestly, just looking at how this draft is lined up in the top four players, like it just makes so much more sense in my mind for Evan Mobley to go three just because – you know, what if Sexland stays together? What if they don't have a trade there? Then what do the Cavs do? But anyway, we're going to move on to another Jalen in my book. And I think Sam, you'll probably agree with me here. At number four, my Toronto Raptors are going to take Jalen Suggs. You know, Kyle Lowry, uh, it's pretty obvious that the Raptors are not willing to pay uh, what he wants in free agency with the current build of their team and how old Kyle Lowry is. So he's going to be moving on the greener pastures, moving to the American side of the border. Uh, but Raptors fans need not fear. They're going to find a worthy replacement in Suggs. He helped lead Gonzaga to a national championship and is the very definition of a floor general. His basketball IQ and his intangibles are perfect for any playoff team. And I think the Raptors, they have an outside shot at the playoffs. And with a guy like Jalen Suggs running, running the court, I feel like that that dream of being a playoff contender once again is a lot more achievable with a guy like Jalen Suggs at the one. Sam, who do you have at number four? I got to agree with you here, Blaze. Jalen Suggs would be the pick, but there's also a large caveat I got here. If this team re-signs Kyle Lowry and decides it wants to continue contending, I think they'd trade this pick. I think there's too many teams that are in the lottery or out of the lottery completely that you know, would want this pick and the chance to take a guy like Suggs or Scotty Barnes. And as good as Suggs is as a prospect, there's just not going to be room for him on the court if this team brings back Kyle Lowry and they already have Fred Van Vliet on the court at the two spot. So if this Raptors team brings back Lowry, I think this pick should be traded for what they get back in the trade. I don't know. But if Lowry does decide to leave, I think what you said, I mean, makes perfect sense. He's the perfect replacement. He can run the offense, plays great defense. I'd consider him the best all-around prospect in this draft because what he can do offensively, defensively, and as a leader, he has very good intangibles. So I think there's two true outcomes for this pick, and it's either Suggs in a Raptors uniform or Toronto trades out of this pick, Blaze. Yeah, I uh, I definitely agree. Anyway, you mentioned Scotty Barnes, and I figured this would be a perfect segue into my fifth pick. Orlando is going to take Florida State's Scotty Barnes. Barnes has honestly been a guy that has flown up the draft boards recently. A lot of people were looking at him at about a 9 or 10 range, but after his pre-draft workouts, he's impressed. He can guard 1 through 5 and honestly reminds me of a young Draymond Green. He has a bit of a broken jumper, but it can be fixed. I mean, if Orlando was able to fix Markel Fultz and whatever the hell was going on with his shot, uh, I think they can fix Scotty Barnes. 
and turn him into both a defensive keystone and a contributor on offense. Sam, uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, the Magic pick here? I like your analysis of Barnes there, Blaze. I think it's spot on with the Draymond Green comparison, but I'm going to have to slot him down to the next pick at number six, the Thunder. But as for the Magic's pick right here, I got Jonathan Kaminga, the other member of the Ignite that everyone's talking about. And this is another kind of fit pick. This team has a number of young point guards already. Like you mentioned, Fultz, they have Cole Anthony. They traded for RJ Hampton last year. And the best player on this roster is Jonathan Isaac. I don't think there's a lot of debate about that, but he's not a score first forward. He's a defender. He's not an offensive focal point, and Kuminga is that. He has the upside to be the best scorer in this draft with his size, his athleticism, his ability to get his own shot all over the floor and finish in the paint. So I think Kaminga is, again, the best fit here. And while Barnes is good, I just think he's too clunky a fit next to Isaac because neither of them are great shooters. And like I said earlier, this team already has a number of young guards on this roster. So I'm going with Kaminga here, Blaze. All right. Um, number six, I'm gonna. I, I'm going where uh, you went with the five pick, uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, there's a lot of speculation here, honestly, because OKC, their front office, is notoriously quiet. And I believe Kaminga goes in the slot. The reason why I pick Scotty Barnes over Kaminga is the fact that Kaminga's raw. He's a guy who he didn't really impress when he was with the Ignite. Um, he, I mean, honestly, people were looking at him as a, as a top three pick in this draft, but he's fallen because his results in the G League, the stats he put up, weren't that good and I totally agree he's definitely got honestly I believe he's got the most overall potential in this draft more than Cade Cunningham more than the both of the Jalens and Evan Mobley but I just haven't seen it in his G League uh starts now obviously the G League is a much harder league than the NCAA so that helps and I feel like anybody who goes through the Ignite route of um going past your high school career is going to have a lot of an, a, a much bigger advantage than most of these guys going through NCAA and even EuroLeague. But I just don't see him topping Scotty Barnes uh, in terms of where they're going in the draft. Um, talking about him, I, I think he can shoot. He If he can shoot better, have a better lock-in mentality, he'll be a dangerous player in this league. But enough about five and six. Let's talk about the Golden State pick here. They got it from Minnesota in the D'Angelo Russell trade. Um, and I think here they're going James Boonight from uh, the University of Connecticut. Uh, Golden State is highly active here with trade talks, I will say. But if they stand pat, because I'm not smart enough to predict trades, uh, I think they go with the UConn kid. Uh, he'll provide important depth behind Curry. He's an explosive athlete and shot creator with smil- silky smooth ball handling. And I think he's going to be an incredible leader for this bench unit and help uh, propel Golden State back into the playoffs. And who knows? He might even trump Clay Thompson out of a starting spot if Clay comes back cold. So we'll see what happens. Sam, who do you have at number seven? I like that pick there, boys. I think it's interesting and makes a lot of sense. But I do just want to say before I announce my selection that I think this is the most likely pick in the entire draft to be traded. It's no secret that these Warriors are going to contend this year. Stephen Curry was playing at an MVP level last season. Draymond Green's still on the roster. And, of course, you have Klay Thompson. So the Splash Brothers are reunited. But if they do not trade this pick, I think they target a guy that can help their rotation now, who can help the contending team now, and that is Baylor's Davion Mitchell. 
a very good two-way player. He's an undersized guard at just six foot in socks, but he can shoot the three better than a lot of guys in this draft. Plays great defense at both against both guard spots. He is a little older coming into this league at 23 years old, but for a contending team like the Warriors, they shouldn't be too concerned. They should be looking for players who can help their rotation now, and I think Mitchell is that. I think he's a great backup option behind Steph Curry whenever he needs rest, or even Thompson because he's a good enough shooter to play off the ball. So I think this pick just makes too much sense, both from a talent and a fit standpoint, Blaze. All right, I like it. Both going guard here for Golden State. All right, next up, again, the Magic are back up on the clock. Um, and I think they go Keon Johnson, Tennessee. I think Magic go for potential here and select Keon Johnson. He's a high-flying, explosive athlete who I think can become an excellent go-to scorer and this Magic team, they need a lot of offensive help, and he's the guy to do it. Uh, Sam, do you agree, disagree? What's your thoughts? We have an agreement here, boys. I also got Keon Johnson. He's an incredibly raw prospect, really more known for his athletic ability and hustle than his skills at this point. But I think this Magic team is far enough away from contention that they can afford to take raw talents like this. Like, I had him taking Kaminga earlier, who, who you said is very raw. I just think this team has time to afford these guys to grow as players and Keon Johnson's another good shot at the dartboard here for them to take he's very athletic like I said earlier can guard pretty much any position on the court from one to four maybe even some undersized fives if he wanted to offensively he's still very raw he's a lob threat he can slash into the paint but his jump shot's still inconsistent as well as his creation and ball handling skills but like I'm just going to keep on saying this magic team is a ways away from being good, and I think they can afford to take another risk here with Keon Johnson. All right, number nine, our boy Cole Shoutis' favorite team, the Sacramento Kings. I actually talked about this pick with him, and we agreed on who I thought would go at the nine, and that is Franz Wagner from Michigan. I think Sacktown is going to acquire the brother of Mo Wagner with this pick, and they're going to snag a great defensive wing who can also shoot. And... Probably replace Marvin Bagley, considering the fact that he wants out of Sacramento. And I feel like there's no worthy, no worthier replacement at this draft slot than Franz Wagner. Sam, who do you think Sacktown is going to take? Once again, Blaze, I got to agree here. And simply that's because of Wagner's uh, defensive ability. This was the team that had the worst defensive rating last year as a team. And they just need more help on defense. As simple as that. And Wagner is also too good all around to not take in this spot. He can dribble, pass, shoot, just do everything you want from a wing. And like you said earlier, I think he can replace Marvin Bagley in small ball items or even Harrison Barnes. I think he's a likely trade candidate, as well as Buddy Heald. So I mold between Wagner and Moses Moody here, but because of Wagner's versatility, I think he can fill all these spots and do everything that this Kings team needs to do to continue to develop. All right, I like it. And Sam, here it comes. The final pick of the top 10, Memphis Grizzlies, you know, had a lot of success in the draft. They drafted uh, Jaron Jackson, John Morant, and I think they go with another J here in Josh Giddy from down under. Memphis is going to get an incredible wing here to stick in the front court, and he re honestly reminds me of current Grizzly Kyle Anderson, who's obviously getting a lot older, with his passing ability and I think he's got a much higher offensive potential than Kyle Anderson currently possesses. 
So I think they're going to go Josh Giddy here, get the man from down under, the kid from the outback. Sam, who do you got at number 10? I like this pick, Blaze. I got to say I agree. Another thing I want to say is Giddy is the kind of talent that teams make the kind of trades that the Grizzlies did. I mean, giving up Jonas Valanciunas and absorbing the contracts of Steven Adams and Eric Bledsoe, this is the kind of player you do that for. He's a large point guard who can dribble, get to the basket. He's still raw defensively and shooting-wise, but give this kid a few years, and I think he's going to be a great point guard in this league. He's just the kind of point guard you want now. Big, can set up his teammates, run the pick and roll. So I I think this is a great pick here, Blaze. I like the agreement we got here. All right, sweet. And that will finish off the Fast Five official top 10 mock drafts. Uh, We're going to put these in the description of our uh, draft special if you would like to compare throughout the draft, see who had the worst picks, who had the best picks. Anyway, on to the next. All right, Sam, for our next segment, we're going to be talking about the best sleepers in this draft. Not the best players, but the best low-key players who are going to go around pick 20, pick 30, maybe in the second round, that we think are going to blow up into potential all-star players. Um, I've got, let's see, three here, and then uh, I don't know how many. Oh, you've also got three. So we're going to go top three best sleepers. First, let's start with Alperin Singen. He dominated the Turkish Super League with the likes that nobody has seen before. Uh, he honestly reminds me of an old-school center. His post-game is absolutely incredible. He was ferocious down low, and I think he's the type of guy who could revolutionize this league. I legitimately believe that he has top three best potential in this draft. It's all about translating the game he had in Turkey, win MVP, and turn that into an NBA-style offensive and defensive game. I mean, I truly believe he's the type of player that could bully through the NBA. Uh, My next pick is Zaire Williams from Stanford. He has massive two-way potential and is also a Brandon Ingram-level ball handler. If he sorts out his jumper, the league should be on notice for years to come. And my final... My third best sleeper in the draft is Trey Mann from Florida. He is one of the best perimeter shooters in the draft. And also, he's grown 2 inches and 15 pounds since the start of his sophomore year. There's a lot of discussion on, will this kid keep growing? Did he hit a late growth spurt like Dennis Rodman? I think if he grows to 6'5 or 6'6, I think he will be a very dangerous player with his size and his shooting ability. Sam... Uh, who do you have as your top three sleepers? Well, Blaze, the first one I highlighted is the one you just got done talking about, and that's Trey Mann, guard from Florida. Mann's a slick handling and smooth shooting point guard with great size at six foot five. He has a really good pull-up and floater game along with deep range and the ability to shoot off the catch. He's also a very good f- facilitator. He can run the pick and roll. He can finish it himself. He can dish it off to a teammate, and he can also get out in transition. Some teams will shy away from Mann because of his slim frame, 6'5", 190 pounds, pretty skinny guy, and he doesn't offer a lot on defense, but I think whichever team takes him is getting an offensive spark plug from day one. Uh, The next sleeper I got is Jaden Springer, a guard from Tennessee. He's a do-it-all combo guard. He's capable at most things you ask for in a guard, but doesn't excel in any of them. 
He's very athletic. He's a serviceable enough shooter. He's a good enough ball handler, and he can guard multiple positions defensively. Because he doesn't excel in any one skill, he may fall in the draft, but whichever team lands him is going to get a versatile backcourt player who has a very high ceiling if he can continue to develop all of his core skills. And the last sleeper I got is yet another guard, this time from Oregon, and Chris Duarte. Duarte is 24 years old, so he's even older than Davion Mitchell, who I talked about earlier. So he's already close to his ceiling if he hasn't already met it. But that's a good thing, because he brings a really good skill set that's ready for the modern NBA. He has the size and instincts to hand with any guard and most forwards defensively. He's one of the best shooters in this draft, whether it's off the dribble or off the catch. He's likely going to fall in this draft because of his age, but a contending team is going to pick him in the later half of this first round, and they're going to get a rotation-ready player that's going to help contribute on a playoff run. Now, Sam, I understand that you also have written out what you think are the biggest risks in this draft. Sam, uh, give me your top three riskiest selections out of all the players in the NBA draft. Well, boys, I can tell you're not going to like the first guy I'm going to talk about because you went on a little rant about how you think he can dominate this league from the start. But that risk is Alperin Sangoon from Turkey. He joined the lottery discussion after dominating in Europe this past season. He stuffed the stat sheet as the best player on his team at just 18 years old. And when you're being I mean, seen as one of the best scorers in Europe at 18 years old, you're doing something right. But the way he scores all those buckets is just simply outdated for today's NBA. He's a very good interior scorer, probably the best in this draft, has great footwork and a wide variety of post moves. But his lack of other translatable skills makes him a big risk in my mind. He's not a shooter and he lacks the athleticism and mobility to play high-level defense. He was also the number one option on his team in Turkey, so it's not known how he would perform in more of an off-ball role. And, you know... If he can't expand his game to the modern NBA and become a more modern uh, center, become more nimble, become a better shooter, play better defense, I think he's going to have a hard time remaining in an NBA rotation, if on a roster at all, if he cannot develop his skill set. So I I apologize for kind of crushing your soul there, but that's just my take on him. Boo! And then um, my second biggest risk is Cameron Thomas out of LSU. He's one of the best scorers in this draft period. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. But he's also a very selfish player, I think, and he's not the most efficient either. Most of his shots come on long, contested jump shots, and I'll give him credit for making a good number of these very difficult shots. But that's just not a recipe for success in the NBA. He's not a good enough slasher or ball handler to get into the paint at the NBA level. And he also offers very little on the defensive end. He's capable of being an offensive spark spark plug, off an NBA team's bench, but his all-around game isn't worth a lottery pick. So I guess if you're looking for like a watered-down Jordan Clarkson, Thomas is your guy, but he's definitely not mine. And then my last risk is Jalen Johnson, a guy who was mocked top 10 in most mock drafts before the college basketball season started, but he's seen his stock rapidly decline ever since. He suffered a mid-season foot injury, which required, required surgery, And then shortly after this, he decided to leave Duke's basketball program. NBA teams are already questioning his character because of his decision to leave the program and some bad interviews around the Combine. And his all-around game is also subject to some criticism. 
He's another athlete first prospect. He's at his best in transition where he can fly up and down the court and either finish it himself or dish it off to his teammates. He plays great defense and he's a great rebounder, but other than that, he's still very raw. In the half court offensively, he's not very talented. He's not a shooter, not a great uh, face-up or back-to-the-basket player. He's very predictable right now. He does have a high ceiling if he can develop some more of these technical aspects of his game, but right now he's just athlete first, has character concerns, and that's just too many red flags for me, Blaze. I agree. And Sam, whenever Alpern Singen becomes the uh, second center to win uh, MVP in the past 10 years, you're going to see, Sam. You're going to see. All right, on to the next. All right, for our last segment here, uh, we're going to be doing something a little special. This segment is called The Hottest Take. So me and Sam are going to be giving our hottest takes that we think are going to happen in the NBA draft. I'm going to start us off here. My hottest NBA draft take is that Ben Simmons gets traded in this draft. Um, there's been a lot of speculation. The Miami Heat, the Toronto Raptors, the Washington Wizards, they all have, you know, mid to high level picks. And I think that those picks could potentially be traded for Ben Simmons. Now, are the Sixers going to get fleeced? Are the Raptors Heat slash Wizards going to get fleeced? I couldn't tell you. But I definitely think that there is a high possibility that the Australian point guard who can't make a layup will get traded this draft. All right, Sam, what's your hottest take for the NBA draft? I really like what you said there, Blaze. I got to agree. I think Simmons has met his ceiling with the Sixers, and I think it just makes sense for that partnership between him and Embiid to be split up. But my biggest, or my hottest take, I should say, and it's not that hot because we have a mocked top three, but I think Jalen Green walks away as the best player from this draft class simply because of his ability to do what he does best, and that is score the basketball. He can do it in any number of ways. He's very athletic. You see him slash. You see a lot of highlight reel dunks and acrobatic finishes when you watch his highlights. He can also pick his spots anywhere on the court. He can create his own jump shot with his handle, or he can shoot off the catch. And if he goes to a team where the fit is right, and he gets the opportunity to develop his game and become a number one option, I think he comes away as like a Bradley Beal type guy, like you said earlier. He's just a very good scorer. And, I mean, what's better in this league nowadays than scoring? If you can score, you're going to have a spot on the NBA roster. And because Green does that so well, I see this guy making multiple all-star games. Hot take, Sam. Hot take. I respect it, though. All right, and I did promise a special surprise at the end of the episode. Um, we're going to be discussing this uh, this little spreadsheet I made. Um, I made predictions last year when I was bored in one of my classes. I couldn't tell you which one, but I definitely made it uh, before the season started of what I thought the NBA standings, awards, and playoffs would look like. And it is very bad. Um, I did not get a single award selection right. I got two, actually three teams seated correctly. And yeah, not, not good at all. All right, Sam, I want you to look at this and I want you to tell me what the worst prediction I made here was. 
Oh, God. Well, I would give you the benefit of the doubt and say that predicting stuff like this is a total crapshoot because of all the things that can happen. But, oh, man, looking over these standings here, I'm just going to have to say the Rockets at number eight. They were the worst team in the NBA <laughs> this year. Not at all deserving of a playoff spot oh. at any point during the season. I don't know if you believe in a John Wall resurgence. I, I don't mean, know. They had, they had oh, they still had Harden, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they had but John Wall, Harden, and Boogie, so... Even then, that's still quite a terrible team in the Western Conference. But, I mean, it's solid, and I like the effort that you put into this. I don't think I would have been any better at this, even though we know how good at predictions I am. So, I think if you do this again, I mean, it can't be much worse than this. <laughs> so, I think if you do it again, it'll be much better. And I do gotta say, though, I like I like the Luka Doncic MVP prediction. I just think it's a year early. If you had to ask me now, that's who I would pick. And Monty Williams was, that was pretty spot on. He, he should have won that award, he I would really, say. Yeah, he should have. But, I mean, it's it's solid, but there's also some very, very bad parts of this, but... A for effort, Blaze. A for effort. <laughs> um, I personally have to think that the the James Wiseman Rookie of the Year uh, uh, prediction aged like milk. Uh, I don't. I just thought you know Stephen Curry led offense, good center. I was like, yeah, this is it. This is exactly what I want. And it was. It turned out to not be very good. Um, just for just to help give you a picture of what happened, uh, I picked Luca for MVP, Monty Williams for Coach of the Year, Wiseman Rookie of the Year. DeAndre Ayton, most improved player. Anthony Davis for defensive player. And Kendrick Nunn for sixth man. Obviously, none of that stuff happened. Uh, I'm, uh, this will be available on our Instagram page, at Fast5Pod, if you want to take a look at it. Um, moving on to my playoff predictions. Uh, the Lakers-Celtics uh, crashed and burned in the playoffs, so that finals definitely didn't happen. <laughs> um, I'd also like to point out that uh, the... I mean, really, I think that's I think that's the worst prediction I made was a was a Lakers Celtics final. As much as I wanted it to happen for like that whole legacy matchup type deal, it definitely didn't happen. Sam, wh- what do you think was the worst playoff prediction I made here? Well, first of all, Blaze, you and me both, but I think we both wanted to see a Celtics Lakers finals, but unfortunately, my Celtics kind of crashed and burned very early on in the season. weren't really a threat at all. But looking at these plays, I'm going to have to say and regret it a lot while saying it that the Celtics was, or they were, the worst prediction here. They just didn't even resemble a playoff caliber squad in the second half of the season. I don't know what went wrong with them. And as a Celtics fan, it truly hurts my heart to see this normally great franchise go down such a dark path. But other than that, I mean, it's not that bad. I can understand a lot of these picks, you know. We all predicted the Lakers to go to the finals. I don't think anybody would disagree with you there. And, you know, you had Milwaukee going to the second round. Milwaukee obviously won the title, so they they were a good pick here. And, uh, you know, overall, this isn't that bad. This is not as bad as the, uh, the standings and the award predictions you've had. But the Celtics, as much as I hate to say this, the Celtics made this bad. I mean, the Celtics were horrible. They ruined my love for the NBA this year, and they ruined this NBA playoffs prediction. But overall, Blaze, not bad. All right, well, thanks for giving me a little bit of comfort looking back at what is probably the worst prediction I've ever made at anything. 
ever. Anyways, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Fast Five. A little bit longer. A little bit longer. It's a special episode. Uh, we'll get back to the normal stuff. We're going to talk Aaron Rodgers, um, the Olympics, Simone Biles. We're going to talk about all of it uh, here in the coming week. So it's going to be very exciting. But yeah, it's going to be a fun time for the Fast Five podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe to us on Spotify. Again, I know it's probably a running joke at this point, but we're working to get it on Apple Music. Um, subscribe or follow our uh, Instagram at Fast Five Pod. And yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, hope you enjoy, and we will see you soon.